Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today are life coaches Cindy Chavez and Jackie Gates. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. Now, today is going to be a little bit different from what we often talk about. I mean, it's going to be in the same range. We always talk about stuff in the same range. But we're going to be talking about a subject that, uh, quite honestly, whenever the, the term comes up, I, I've been kind of conditioned to cringe inside. I think a lot of people have. Because whenever they hear the term, they figure, oh, God, something's about to go wrong in life. <laughs> Well, Cindy and Jackie decided to do something about that. They brought us a friend, Janet Daglish, from Down Under. She's from Ballarat in Australia. And she's going to give us a completely different take on Mercury retrograde. And, I mean, I got to tell you, Janet, I, I've been looking forward to this because I've never heard a positive side to it. Everybody talks about how you know electronics go wrong and people's lives get you know wrecked and uh, things get turned upside down and so forth. You're going to tell us it's all good? Wow. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. <laughs> well, all right. Let, let, don't waste any time. I'm, I mean, I'm on pins and needles. Tell us how, how, does, how does this work? <laughs> I'm on a mission to rescue Mercury retrograde. Well, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this actually Love began it. a few years ago. So I started out as a law of attraction coach and then I um, started learning astrology because I just loved the way it supported what I was doing. And one of the things that bugged me was I looked at my chart and I was born under a Mercury retrograde and I mm -hmm. thought, I cannot go through the rest of my life mm -hmm. thinking that I was born under a catastrophic, chaotic astrological mm -hmm. event that would be mm -hmm. not that would not be a good thought to carry so i thought right i'm making a decision right here and now that i love mercury retrograde and it's always really good to me and i noticed that having made that decision all of a sudden i started enjoying mercury retrograde and i'm like Ooh. okay so i need to figure out what's going on here because I, I have a bit of an engineering brain i like to know ah. how things work behind the scenes right um, and I realized, well, first of all, obviously, if I have positive thoughts about Mercury retrograde, I'm going to have a better experience. That's a no-brainer for anyone who knows anything about any kind of conscious creation or thought work. Um, the thoughts we have about something um, help to design how we feel about it. But then I started doing a deeper dive, and I realized that the clue is kind of in the name. So retrograde simply means that a planet, and it's a term used in astrology and astronomy, so it's not one of those mm -hmm. fully woo-woo things. It lives in both the science and the woo-woo areas. So, uh, And that always pleases me. I kind of like that. <laughs> right, we're playing in both fields now. That's great. Um, but all it means is that a planet appears to go backwards from the perspective of Earth. So... We know that planets don't literally go backwards. They keep on circling around the sun in their orbit. But from the perspective of where we sit, our relative orbits mean that they can look like they're going backwards. And the best analogy for this is if you're in a fast-moving train at night, especially it's, it's especially noticeable at night, you're in a fast-moving train and your train overtakes a slower-moving local suburban train, um, you see the people in that other train, they're all lit up, they're reading their books, etc. And there's a moment where your brain looks at that other train and suddenly goes, wait, is that going backwards? Are they going mm. backwards? They look like they're going backwards relative to me. And it's that shift in reality. It's this moment where our, our assumptions about reality 
suddenly get challenged at a really instinctive neurological level rather than a sort of intellectual level where suddenly we find ourselves thinking, wait, the whole world just shifted. Some, something's wrong here because our brains, when our brains have something like a shift in perspective that appears out of nowhere, our brains like the familiar. They don't like the unexpected. So they interpret that feeling of unfamiliarity as something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. And it's something similar with the retrograde. That it's a, What it represents astrologically is a shift in perspective. And the key here is, and that happens with any planet. So when Saturn goes retrograde, we get a shift in perspective around all the Saturn things. Why don't when, we never hear about that, though? We only hear about Mercury. Mercury is the one that gets the bad Right. Mm-hmm. So, And I, there are a couple of reasons for that. One is that Mercury is like a shapeshifter. He's a trickster god. And when you're looking at the areas of expertise, so for those who aren't familiar with astrology, all planets are said to have what rulership over certain topics. I'm not a fan of the word rulership because it implies that the stars are in charge of us or that they're the boss of us, mm. and I don't believe that. I, I think the stars are descriptive. They reveal who we came here to be. They reveal astrological weather that might be happening at the time, astrological events. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't tell us what to do. They don't tell us who we are. They reveal who we naturally came here to be. So if you're looking at something like um, Saturn, for example, Saturn's very interested in our life mission, the thing we came here to do. If we look at Venus, Venus is interested in understanding who we are through the relationships we have, through the, you know, who we like to hang out with, basically. And Mercury shows up in all those different fields. So he's got this shapeshifter quality. If we're talking about something like a marriage, for example, that's really Venus's territory because it's about partnership and Venus likes partners, partnering up. But the terms and the sort of terms and conditions that we have in the agreement with our partner that's Mercury. Mercury is the god of communications. That means all kinds of contracts and agreements, whether it's a formal written agreement or just a, a sort of the sort of informal agreements that emerge over time when two people spend a lot of time together. So, um, and with Saturn, it's all about the work we do, the, our career choices. But Mercury shows up there. He's the god of commerce and business, and. He, so he's, he's, he shows up whenever we have a, a, a contract to, with a client or when we're doing our marketing and we're communicating what it is that we want to bring to the world. So it, it's almost as though Mercury has these fingers in all the different pies. So A, Mercury goes retrograde more often than any other planet because it's the closest to the sun. So we have it three to four times a year. B, it's showing up with this shift in perspective in all kinds of areas because of the way Mercury has his finger in all these different pies. And see, he just gets so much bad press that we're all going around with these crappy thoughts about Mercury. <laughs> and we're creating this drama in our own lives. Um, so I, it, I noticed this just last, the last Mercury retrograde, as, a, as we're recording this, the previous one was in Gemini um, back in May, June. I'm not great with dates. That's shocking for an astrologer, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Unusual. Let's just put it that way. It's unusual. (laughs) I look stuff up. I don't have to keep it in my brain. (laughs) 
your brain's busy doing other stuff. That's what computers um, are for, storing stuff. Right? That's what Google's for. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, we noticed it was the beginning of our winter here in, in Australia and um, we had this – the lights went out, the entire – all the electrics on one side of the house went out and we found that the, the you know, the, the circuit breaker switches had all flipped so it was the middle of the night. We went out, we restored everything, and that was fine. It wasn't until 24 hours later we realized our entire heating system had gone. <gasps> and that was what had blown all the electrical circuits was the motherboard had gone. And um, luckily for us, we rent. So that just meant a phone call to the landlord. Ah, <laughs> yes. I know, right? It's so good. Mm. Um, but it, it ended up meaning an entire new central heating system. So... And and I, it really amused me when I looked at the dates and I thought, this is actually six weeks out from a Mercury retrograde. <laughs> if this happened during Mercury retrograde, my brain, because I still, you know, I get sure. bombarded with the messaging about Mercury retrograde is a problem all the time. If it had happened during Mercury retrograde, my thought would have been, oh, Mercury retrograde. Oh, no, I mustn't think that. That's a bad thought to think. I need mm-hmm. to shift my perspective. Instead, it was really easy to kind of go, this is proof, not that I need it, but this is proof that things don't just go wrong during a Mercury retrograde. Right. It's mm-hmm. just that we, pay, we blame Mercury retrograde during that period when things go wrong. Um, so part of it is a perspective thing. Part of it is just a human interpretation thing. Um, and I think that's also worth going back to this point about a shift in perspective, because when we have a shift in perspective, our attention is brought very strongly to the things that that shift in perspective is associated with. So, for example, um, if there are things that we haven't been paying attention to, like maintaining our car's systems, Mercury is at play in all forms of system because that's just another form of communication. Every system is just a bunch of things that talk to each other. So whether it's the electronics in your car or your computer or um, the systems of your body, your respiratory system, all of those things where there's a flow happening, Mercury is at play. So when there's a shift in perspective, our attention is drawn to things that maybe we haven't been paying attention to. And sometimes that shows up as, this thing went wrong. So if there's a conversation that we should have had with a loved one, but we've been avoiding it because it's, it's going to be uncomfortable or we think it's going to be too difficult or we don't think we can handle it, that shift in perspective, it becomes like an invitation to say, this thing needs your attention. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not necessarily the case that Mercury retrograde is always smooth sailing and comfortable because it depends a little bit on where it's happening and how that relates to your own astrological chart. So if it's happening at a sensitive point in your chart where there's something you haven't been paying attention to or handling, then it's going to come through. If it's happening there, it's going to go, hey, pay attention. Look at those people in that other train. Look at that perspective. What are you not, what have you not been paying attention to? So it is always comfortable, but it's not the cause of the problem. It's the opportunity to do something about the problem or the thing that hasn't been been getting your attention. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, wouldn't it also be true to say that if 
Well, first of all, I always thought it was just kind of weird that people were getting all upset about an optical illusion. Because that's really what it is. It's an optical right. illusion. There's nothing actually, <laughs> nothing really going on here, but oh my God. <laughs> right. It's a function of our, new, of our neurology that our brains are designed right. to keep us safe. So the moment something is odd, our brain instantly brings our attention to it. We've all had that experience where yeah. we've been driving home from a regular place and we go on autopilot and we're not, we, we get home, we have no memory of driving home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because our brains do this thing where, um, they, our brain builds a model of reality inside our own heads. That's literally how brains work. Right. And so one, well, we're driving home and everything is normal. Our brain kind of goes, I'll handle this. You just think about something else or listen to your podcast or do whatever it is you're doing to stop from getting bored and I'll handle this. <laughs> the moment something is unusual, uh, you see movement coming where there's, from a direction where there's a red light or um, you see somebody moving in traffic in a way that is not normal, your brain instantly drags your attention straight back and says, pay attention. There's something odd here. You need to be, you need to step up. I don't want to handle this. The brain's like, wait, I said I'd handle this. No, I'm not handling this. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and that, that it, because it's part of that instinctive keep you, keep you alive system, which, which gets your attention first to get you to do things and then allows your conscious brain to come on board. All that instinctive stuff happens so fast. It, it usually comes with a shot of adrenaline. So it's the same when we're in that train and we see the other train and we have that moment of going, wait, what, what just happened? And then our conscious mind kicks in and goes, oh, no, wait, it's fine. We're just overtaking another train. It's not a right. problem. Exactly. Um, yeah. that, that change of perspective is, I think, the, the source of the discomfort. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Because it yeah. always is, right? Anytime that we're changing yeah. our perspective, whether it's deliberately or not, it's just plain uncomfortable because it's not yeah. what we're used to. We just yeah. changed our norm. And, and yeah. that's always going to produce discomfort. So how interesting then that uh, culturally we have turned it into an, oh, my God moment. The universe right. is conspiring against me yes. because I changed my perspective. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's exactly right. And and we can take it further. So so we can we can actually say, well, if I decide from now on that I'm going to embrace the gift of Mercury retrograde, even though the gift might not always be comfortable, what would that look like? And I, I always recommend there are two questions to ask. The first question to ask is when we know, when we're in the middle of a Mercury retrograde and we notice something that makes our brain think, Oh my God, something has gone wrong. The question, first question to ask is what am I being invited to learn, to mm-hmm. understand, to accept or to stand up for? Because those are all the areas, you know, Mercury is the god of borders and boundaries as well. He doesn't enforce them, but he brings our awareness to that place where, you know, we we might need to stand up for ourselves. We might need to have the awkward conversation. So the question doesn't necessarily lead to a comfortable place. Sometimes it leads to a, a, a place that makes us go, oh, I really don't want to do that. I don't want to have to handle that. Um, so that's the first question. And the second question, which I think is useful if the, the answer to the first question is uncomfortable, the second question is, how is it true that what I'm being asked to learn, understand, accept or stand up for is a gift for me? So it's about being able to, to sort of deliberately 
soothe ourselves by saying, this is an uncomfortable thing that I'm, that I'm looking at, that I'm facing, whether it's my car finally needing its, you know, I did this thing where this is not a Mercury retrograde story, but it's a typical Mercury retrograde thing that could happen. Mm. Um, I had my car serviced about 18 months ago and, um, then it didn't get serviced for ages because we were in lockdown for quite a long time here, here in Victoria where I live. And um, so it went for a long time without servicing. And by the time I got serviced again, I completely forgot that it was supposed to get new brake pads. And just for about a week, once I'd made the appointment for about a week beforehand, my brakes were getting really noisy. And I'm like, oh, please, God, let them last until the service so I can replace <laughs> and not have to have the entire, you know, braking system redone. Um We've all had that experience where we've we've let something go a bit long, whether it's a mechanical thing with a car, a conversation with a loved one, um, something in our business that needs attention that we've been going, oh, I don't really want to do that. Um, all of those things, which because of this phenomenon of Mercury having his finger in so many pies, all any of these things can show up at, after this shift, shift in perspective to say, it's time you paid attention. Let's get this sorted. And that's not a problem. It's a gift. And it might not, like we said, it might not feel comfortable, but it's such an opportunity. It's kind of an ironic thing, too, because what we're, what we're really talking about is when we're dealing with an uncomfortable shift in perspective, just, well, shift our perspective. <laughs> that's really what you're saying. When you when you boil it down to the essence, is that what you're saying? When, when, when the perspective shifts, shift. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't, exactly. don't get stuck, you know, and if you yeah. don't feel like you're going to shift or that you're feeling comfortable shift, well, then pretend you're comfortable. I mean, this is right in Jackie's domain. Act as if, right? You know, so if oh, you're not, if yeah. you're dealing with something that's uncomfortable, pretend yes. that it's comfortable mm-hmm. so you can deal with it. And the beauty of this is, I'm so glad you raised that because one of the things that Mercury does is he's this, he has this natural shape shifter energy. Um, there are so many different gifts that Mercury autom- that sort of naturally has. We can think of Mercury as an ally. And one of the things that was a kind of Mercury's superpower is, well, there are a couple of them. One is that he can transcend different levels of reality. So as the, as the water bearer to the gods, he served at the banquets. So he could hang out with the gods eavesdrop on their plans and then bring that information back to the humans. So that's, to me, that represents our ability to go into conversation with our higher self, find out what's going on, get the secret behind the scenes source or our future self, our next future self, this more transcended version of ourselves. We can kind of bring that back to ordinary here and now reality. And we can also, the other thing, and Carl Jung talked about this, Mercury has this ability that no other deity has to go into the realm of Pluto, the underworld, which represents the subconscious. It's the world of death and rebirth, of transformation. Mercury, is the, Mercury one of his special roles was a psychopomp, which is um, the, the spirit that accompanies the dead to the afterlife or to the underworld um, and then comes back again. So he could go in and out of Pluto's realm at will, no price to pay, no rules about how long he could stay or had to stay. Um, and that makes Mercury unique in the, in the pantheon. 
So again, that represents our ability to go into the subconscious to, to find something that actually needs transformation, that's ready for healing, that's ready for processing, whether that be an old belief system, a limiting belief system, or whether it be trauma or whatever it is. Mercury is a support at doing that kind of work. So we, we, Jung talked about the idea that we go into the subconscious and we pull something forth into the light of day in order for us to be able to work on it or heal it. Um, because sometimes, sometimes it is just as simple as going, well, I'm just going to shift perspective. And sometimes there's some other work that needs to be done. Um, so because this is Mercury's special area of expertise, that's actually a huge assist in doing that work. And also because he has this shapeshifter quality to him, this trickster quality, Mercury was famous for doing whenever he needed to help someone. He was famous for helping children a lot, um, which I love because I, I think that relates to helping our own inner child. But he always did it through wit and wile, not through brute strength. So that speaks so strongly to me of this idea of I can I can shift into a new identity my identity is made up of things in my brain. It's a construct of my brain. It's my brain's opinion of who I am. And I can choose to change that um, through the sort of work that Jackie does, where it is about saying, I'm going to step into this next iteration of me. We're, we're, active, we're kind of actively inviting Mercury in when we do that work. So during Mercury retrograde, when we this shift in perspective means everything is slippery. It's like everything's up for grabs. That's why it feels so unsettling. It's kind of, you know, I'm not quite sure where my feet are on the ground anymore. Um, and that's perfect if something has been stuck. If we have felt stuck in part of an old identity during Mercury retrograde, that's a great opportunity to say, well, now everything's kind of slippery. I can just slide into this next identity. What if it's not difficult? What if I just, what if I just decided that actually it's easier than I think it is to make this shift. Janet, I love that you brought up this idea of choice. You know that you said when you realized that you were in your own chart, that you were born under a, a retrograde Mercury and were like, no way can I go through life just deciding that I'm going to decide something else. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah. And when you were talking about Carl Jung, the quote that came to mind from Carl Jung is, was that, until you make the unconscious or the subconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate, which is what we're doing when we say, oh, no, it's Mercury retrograde. Everything's <laughs> terrible, right? Yes. Like, yeah. I remember a time my husband like screaming to me from the other side of the house because a piece of machinery just completely was not doing the right thing. And he was like, is it Mercury retrograde? And I was like, it started yesterday. And he was like, ah. Yeah. <laughs> and isn't that funny? That if you had said no, he would have gone, oh, Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're all sort of programmed that all of a sudden when communication breaks down, when electronics yeah. break down, when something breaks down. So this idea of like have letting it be our choice to, right? And also when you were talking about the, the train, how the other train was going slower. And so it looks like, wait a minute, it's like sort of like when you're driving your car, one of those car washes, and all of a sudden the things start moving and you think you're moving, but you're not, you're right. I was yep. thinking that that's one of the things I've done for the past, I don't know, 
decade is that when I become aware, sometimes I look up at the beginning of the year, when are the Mercury retrogrades? <laughs> and then I plan for my, my own uh, way of being, my own calendar, my own things I'm scheduling to be slower during that time. Yes. So that I can open my awareness to what do I need to be looking at? What have I been neglecting? What do I need to, you know, take a different perspective on? Because sometimes we get so busy that we're not looking at the thing and those things are calling to us. Mm-hmm. You know, the car, the, the check engine light has been on, you know, but we're too busy to pay attention. And then Mercury retrograde happens and we get the big, you know, the big boom. And we're like, oh, no. But if we make right. time in that period to take a deeper look and to have some more quiet time and to pay attention, I think, I don't know, it goes better for me. When I yeah. slow down during Mercury retrograde and just pay attention to what's happening, you know, so it's one of the ways. I'm sure you have lots of good tips for us on how to deal with it. But I, I love this idea of first and foremost, deciding. Yeah. Just deciding. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. I love this idea of um, because I don't think it's I, I'm not advocating for the idea of we just ignore Mercury retrograde. Um, I, I prefer the idea that we ask ourselves, how can I take advantage of it? My my business is strategic astrology. So I'm all about saying, here's the astrological weather, whether it's the current weather, the, what the stars are doing now, or whether it's the weather at the moment of your birth. Um, how do we take advantage of it? How do we make the most of it? Uh, and that's going to vary a little bit for everyone because it depends a bit on uh, on a couple of factors. First of all, how strong Mercury is in your chart anyway. And as you've said, Cindy, you've got strong Mercury in yours. Um, so you, the idea of giving yourself that spaciousness during those periods, it's so smart, so smart. Um, and I think it's also, it varies depending on the sign that Mercury is in. And one of the really interesting phenomena about Mercury retrograde is that, and please don't ask me to explain the planetary three-dimensional geometry of this because I have no clue. Um, I mean, I, I love that. I love that. And astrologers say, I have no clue. This is like, this is great. <laughs> yes, Not what I do, but because of the way that the, because of the, 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 because of the way these relative orbits of Mercury and Earth operate, what ends up happening is that in a in a in a, ca- a human calendar year because we know that the stars do not care about human calendar years <laughs> like they just don't this is why i think it's hilarious that people get kind of excited about two full moons in the same month i'm like yeah in that time zone maybe not in mine <laughs> guess what the stars don't care <laughs> um but i digress um so if we in a, in a human calendar year what we generally find is that the, there are three to four Mercury retrogrades, and they will usually cluster in the same element. So, for example, this year, the three Mercury retrogrades have been, the first one was in Aquarius, the next one was Gemini, and the one that's coming up in September, October, is in Libra, all three air signs. And there's so there's a quality, an elemental quality within a particular year. So even if you don't know anything about astrology and you're not really interested in learning, which is totally fine um we can still look at the element and ask and look at what that element brings to the flavor of the mercury retrograde so this year air is usually about things like 
um, uh, inventiveness, new ideas, new understandings, curiosity, which is a very Mercury quality. And Mercury is Mercury rules two signs, Gemini and Virgo, and Gemini is an air sign which is so full of curiosity for its own sake. Not curiosity in order to invent a thing that's going to make a lot of money, but curiosity because I just want to know how it works. Um, so we've had that air quality to the Mercury retrogrades this year. So we can we can look at the elements that, that Mercury is in. If it's water, it's going to be much more emotional, which is a perfect time to set up for creating, again, it's that thing of setting up a spaciousness to allow for the possibility that we might have some emotional clearing up work to do during that Mercury retrograde. If we've got some, um, so for example, it, this might be a period where some unaddressed trauma finally knocks on our door and says, I've been here in your nervous system and your body for years. You need to do the work now of, t of taking care of me. Um, in an earth-oriented year, it's much more practical. It's more, let's take care of business. What are the systems in my in my life? What are the household systems, the systems in my business that support me living the life that I want? Where can I adjust this? Where can I make this flow more easily? Um, and then in a fire year, it's much more out there exploration. It's outward-oriented. It's inspirational. Um, where do I want to maybe break some rules and explore new options and 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 go out and shine in the world. So they so each year gives us a particular flavor. So you don't have to know anything about the specifics of the sign or where it is in your chart. Although those things can be wildly helpful, of course, because if you've got Mercury retrograde landing on a Pluto, for example, you are going to be asked to do some transformative work. Um, so I think you know, as a somebody who uses astrology professionally, I'm a huge fan of going, get some eyes on your chart. Mm. Um, but that's not necessary. It's not required in order for you to make a decision to say, I'm going to embrace this Mercury retrograde. I, I love the idea of a whole bunch of people watching the rest of the internet lose its mind over <laughs> Mercury retrograde and all of us kind of sitting over here going, Guess what, guys? We're gonna we're gonna take advantage of this. It's gonna be so good. We might find some spiky bits and some rocky bits. It might not be all that smooth sailing, or it might be. We don't know, but we're gonna we're gonna take the gift. We're gonna. Make I think the that that's that's for me. That's been part of your the the gift of the work you do is because we know from law of attraction, we know from physics that where attention goes, energy flows, right? And we know that um, our, our communal human attention on a certain date or something that everybody agrees, right? Um, Van and 14th of, you know, 14th of February being a special day of love, etc. We, we've all just agreed on that, but, and we can dismiss it. But the, I keep tapping for light, the, um, the, the communal agreement has weight. We yeah. have, we all attend, all the attention mm -hmm. has an energetic weight. So when everybody agrees, 
when everybody in inverted commas agrees that this period of time is an absolute shit show as far as mm-hmm. communications go, then what happens? We actually make a self manif, you know, a self fulfilling prophecy. So Absolutely. when you listen to what Janet's saying and she's saying, you know, you can, you can phrase this differently. You can look at it differently. You can experience it differently. Um, even if the only gift you give yourself after this conversation is to not buy into mm-hmm. the general hype around Mercury retrograde, you have done your bit to make it less of an, or less of a, less of something that people get, you know, lose their, lose their minds over. You don't have to buy into that. And this will actually give you scientific and astrological reasons not to. And since your brain is an evidence machine, this is why we have it. We can say, I don't have to because actually Mercury retrograde is really good for me in this particular scenario. Right. I just want to be part of this group, right, where for some weird reason, every time it's Mercury retrograde, we make a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, right, absolutely. And and one of my favorite things about I heard I don't know if you explained it to me, Janet, this way, but I always think of Mercury or any retrograde as going back over the path it went before. It's not that they actually do that, but in our awareness of something. So if you imagine that you're walking along a street and you're looking at the windows, uh, the the shop windows, and then you think, wait, I want to see something else, and then you kind of backtrack and you go and have a look and you go a few steps backwards and you look and then you move forward again. You've been through over that piece of pavement, sidewalk, three times. You walk forward first, you went backwards again, and now you're going. And this is what Mercury, what any retrograde does in your chart. It'll tell you this particular of your li- part of your life is going to get some extra attention. And yes. it's and it can Love be it. good. It can really be so juicy and so useful. Um, and, I mean, I'm not an astrologer, but I know my chart well enough to know where the retrograde's happening and which bits are going to call my attention. And it's not to inspire some kind of freak out mode. It's just that in the astrological weather, I'm going to tilt my sails this way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I think that sums it up really well, that, that um, any retrograde is an invitation to sort of re-examine the area that that particular planet has an interest in. And like we said, with Mercury having fingers in so many pies, it does have this influence across the board. And really the, the, the most core piece, if you had to sum it up, would be Mercury retrograde is a time to rethink everything, mm-hmm. to re-examine and reassess everything, particularly to do with our thoughts. Mercury not only is associated with our inner dialogue because Mercury is the god of communication. So all of this, all of the self-talk that we have, every single opinion our brain has of us is when we're, when we're working on anything like that, when we're working to shift our thoughts, we're doing Mercury work. Mm. But also Mercury governs all kinds of systems, including the neurological pathways in our brain. So our neural pathways are the thing that light up when we have a thought. So any habitual thought, we have lots of neurons lighting up at the same time. 
the, 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 the more we repeat a thought, the more it becomes habitual, the thicker that neural pathway becomes. So if you want to shift an old, really stuck or a thought, a, a, a thought habit that has felt difficult to shift, Mercury retrograde is a perfect time to do it because everything's up for grabs. And mm. those are the times where you can do the, the work of neuroplasticity, which is this phenomenon where through repetition um, of our, and changing our thoughts and behaviours, we literally rewire our own brains. This is the work that Jackie's doing when she talks about identity shifting work. Um, it's the work of rewire, physically rewiring our own brains, which I'm sorry, still blows my mind. I grew up in a, in a period where for 400 years we had been saying that the human adult brain was fixed. So intellectually, I totally get neuroplasticity. I'm a, in addition to astrology, I'm a brain science nerd, but there's still a part of me that goes, are you kidding me? We can actually do that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. What yeah, I, and I will say, because Janet's, Janet's specialty is strategic astrology. One of the things I learned from her early on is that a retrograde. Okay. So I deal a lot with houses and nests and, you know, house care and stuff and how that helps with identity shifting. So that's, that's the house of cancer. That's, that's your home. So every time there's a Mercury retrograde or any kind of planetary excitement in cancer, that's when I start putting my business offerings front and center because I'm taking advantage of astrological weather. Everybody has cancer in their chart, but in this particular time, that area is being lit up and I get to, I get to cash in. So yeah. you can have Janet look at your, your business chart. This is a piece that I want to say, as well as your personal chart. And that mm -hmm. has actually been that kind of strategy I love because then you're not just sort of, you know, um, just, just scattershotting. You get to say, okay, I know there's a Mercury retrograde in Cancer coming up in two months time. Um, everybody's going to be thinking about their house in some form or another. So I'm going to have this little thing that says, when you're rethinking your decor, how about this? And then it works and it's so easy and it's, it's going with the astrological weather instead of buying into the fact, you know, the, the idea that everything is a disaster in a certain period of time. It's not true. There's yeah. a theme going on here. I really like a lot. And I Which just want is? to bring it to the fore. Um, I'm going to express it the way I think about it. And you, I think you guys will see how it ties into what you all have been talking about. Um, but I'm going to call it the realm of metaphor. Because oh. from my perspective, astrology is really metaphor. And Neville Absolutely. Goddard is metaphor. And Abraham Hicks is metaphor. I mean, you go through all the main teachers. They're all about metaphor. And, and the point that's really ringing to me right now is who's in charge of the metaphor? Are we in charge of the metaphor? Mm -hmm. uh, is, Each is of us. Goddard in charge of the metaphor? Is God in charge of the metaphor? Is uh, the, the astrological chart, are the planets in charge of the metaphor? No, it's us. Mm -hmm. We're in charge of the metaphor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how yeah. much more empowering can you get? I know, right? We get to explore, we get to experience life as we are, not as anything else is. It's right. just, it's yeah. always that. You know, it, for every, I, I had, a, I spoke about it, um, something about how nothing is actually essential. Um, I, I, I talk about the allocation of meaning 
and we say that things that mean a lot, right? So things that are essential. We like to think oxygen is essential, but it's not essential for every organism on this planet. It's actually not. We, we think it's a, it's a law that we have, you know, but it's only essential for us. And then there's other things like for me, a certain amount of spaciousness is essential, right? But it's, it's how we view these things. And, and so when we, when we're looking at things like astrology and stuff, we can, we can take the things that, that feel really supportive of who we are. We choose that part of the metaphor and we can let the rest go. We can decide what's essential for us to know. Like, like Janet said, you don't have to know your whole chart. You don't have to know all the ins and outs of Mercury retrograde, but you can just take the strategic parts, the really useful, uplifting, helpful parts and go, I'm going to learn about that piece. And then I'm going to apply that piece and it'll be like, tilting my sails to take the astrological wind. We can, we can work with whatever metaphor works for us. Now, if you do we like are, the chaos and crisis, you can also go for, oh, my God, it's Mercury retrograde. If you want to go there, you can. That's, I mean, right, that's part of the choice, too, right? Yeah. Because it's really useful, I will say, that sometimes when, you know, when yeah. you've forgotten to send the link to a Zoom call and you go, oh, Mercury retrograde, everybody goes, <laughs> yes, right, we agree. And then you're just like, yeah. I, I mean, I stayed blonde for that reason because I could dismiss a whole <laughs> lot of stuff. Um, so, Our so first live you know, joke in I did that for about, I tried to, <laughs> I had, um, I've had my second COVID shot now, which was, that's a whole other story here in Australia with the vaccine rollout. Um, but when I had the first shot, which was AstraZeneca, I had brain fog for about a week. And with the second one, I was like, oh man, I can't use that excuse anymore. No. This is just me having natural <laughs> brain fog. Yes, and so and and it's the same with any human agreement that you know we we have every there there are there are there are situations where everybody agrees this is a thing, and then you'll have somebody who goes, yeah, no, I don't, I don't agree with that, right? And and Eli Weasel is one. Nelson Mandela spending a quarter of a, a century in jail, and he came out. Not hating people. It's like you, know, you have you have all these people who have gone. I am not buying into that piece of your metaphor. I am not buying into that. I'm not going to be in agreement with that. And I live my life according to the way I have dictated it. And you change countries and worlds and your own way of living that way. That's very much. I have to say, Jackie, I love that and. That really sums up my approach to astrology, uh, mm-hmm. which has evolved over a number of years. And I'm my the key influences, I guess. First of all, my trainer Kim Falconer, um, but also more recently, Liz Green and Howard Sasportis founded the the School of Psychological Astrology back in I think 1985. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a relatively new, formalized approach to using astrology. It's a, astrology is a symbolic language. So you're absolutely right, Walt. It is definitely a, it's a, a collection of metaphors. And like the mytho, and this is true, I think, of all systems of um, mythology and astrology, whether we're talking about the one that I use, which is just the sort of classical Greek, if you like, um, with lots of Roman names thrown in. Uh, <laughs> As they the, do. 
Yes, as they do. <laughs> so these, all of these mythologies and systems of astrology and so on arose out of the human unconscious collective. So they speak to us. It's like archetypes. We right. understand some things in common around archetypes, such as we look at the Star Wars trilogy. The first movie in the – sorry, not the whole. I'm talking about the early, the first three. The first three. Yes. Right. <laughs> I don't think the other ones count, but that's just my um, <laughs> rebel. Um, but we, the, with the first movie, we know that Joseph Campbell's work was influential in the oh, script of the first movie. Oh, yes. So it's got The Lost Prince. It's got The Hero's Return. Mm -hmm. So all of these archetypes, we instantly understand them because they're deeply wired into us mm -hmm. from this, as you say, Jackie, there is this kind of consensual reality mm -hmm. uh, where we can step back from them and from them and make decisions to say, whether we're going to engage with them or not. But we start out so deeply immersed in them that we're not really conscious of them. Um, and I think that one of the strengths of something like an astrological system is that I can look at somebody's I, – I look at people's charts all day long, and I know there are lots of astrologers out there who do amazing work, and I'm not here to diss anyone. But I've never yet looked at someone's chart and gone – oh, well, you're doomed to such and such a problem. <laughs> I right? just literally don't see it that way. I look at their chart and I go, oh, my God, look at the glory of you. Look at who you came here to be. Because really what the chart reveals is this full, radiant human who came to Earth to be this extraordinary human being. And then, of course, we all get socialised with the individual experiences of life and the systems within which we operate, whether it's the patriarchy, um, ableism or whatever, um, all of those things, it's almost like the way I think about it is you've got this core essence of who you are and then all this stuff gets layered on top. Mm -hmm. I call it acquired brain misery. Like an acquired brain injury, it's something that, occur that happens to us after the moment we arrive on the planet. And that core essence of who we are never goes away. But sometimes it gets really well hidden by all of these accreted um, beliefs and thought patterns, etc. And the Sometimes we hide it ourselves, too. I mean, it's not like it gets done to us. We say, okay, I'm hiding away until everything yeah. mm -hmm. else clears up. Yeah, right. yeah but, we do, but we do that because our brain is trying to keep us safe. Right. Yeah, mm -hmm. always. We, and in the first not, seven years, it's it's just it's just external direction. We really exactly. don't have. Uh, we don't humans are so pathetically absolutely. helpless when we arrive. <laughs> I mean, when you when you see a baby giraffe running at less than five hours old, you know, right. it's like yeah, no. But uh, so until the age of seven, it's definitely we are just sponges and yeah. we get we, we get shaped. And we, uh, you know, there's a really you don't have to look far to see really interesting. Um, not just not just formal research, but lots of anecdotal evidence as well that that girl infants are if if people assume an infant is female, they respond differently to it than if they assume it's a male. Mm. Parents will try this out. I mean, seriously, it's kind of a fun experiment to do. Dress your baby as a the opposite gender, and watch how differently strangers respond to it. The wow. girls get told, "Oh, aren't you aren't you pretty?" Little mm -hmm. boys get told, oh, look how strong you are. Yeah. That wiring gets in 
even when we are not ourselves yet verbal, we're not able to use language yet, we're still absorbing not just the words but the energy of that. Mm -hmm. So we soak in these systems right from very early on. And then our work, this is what Jung said about the journey of life, it's the journey back towards the self. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about using astrology in this strategic way is it's fine to have all the insights into what makes up someone's chart and who they came here to be, but those insights are worth pretty much nothing unless you've got some strategies on what to do with them. So it's the same with this approach to Mercury retrograde. It's like, well, it's a thing that happens to all of us. Let's get strategic about what we decide it means. Yes, it might not be comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yes, it might mean we're being invited to learn, understand, accept or stand up for something. And that's not a bad thing. Why would we choose to characterize that as being wrong or bad? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And stuff is not dying in, not buying into the general disaster scenario. Yeah. We're much better off to decide, you know what? This could actually be a gift. Mm -hmm. That's really, really good. Yeah. So uh, September 28th, we're recording this on August 18th. So September 28th is the next Mercury yep. retrograde. So we have plenty of time to know how we're going to navigate it. <laughs> Janet has something coming out because she's smart like that. retrograde. I have a couple of things coming out, actually. I've um, So the next Mercury retrograde, thank you, Cindy, for that. Uh, the next one is you're right about the date. You saved me looking it up. <laughs> <laughs> you mean I you don't just keep it in your head? It's like September, but you know, I mean, if when I need to know, I will look it up. Um, <laughs> that cracks me up. Um, but yes, the next one's in Libra, and so Libra is ruled by Venus. When Mercury retrograde happens in a particular sign, it's like the party happens in the house of that planet that rules that sign. So the next one's coming up in Libra. So it's like. Mercury retrograde is this party happening in Libra's, in Venus's world. And there are a couple of things we can do with that. One is to activate the Venus energy. One of the key things that I think is sort of a starting point from any of us who want to make changes in our lives, if we want to grow and expand, the core question is, what do I really want? And because of the way that our culture operates, we this is a really difficult question for so many people to answer, particularly for women, but not exclusively for women. Um, and so I've got a, um, a I've created a, a course called Unapologetic Desire, um, which is a standalone do-it-yourself online course, really simple and easy. Um, and I'm also putting together something at the moment for Mercury Retrograde that, that will be coming out in the next couple of days. So I'm sure by the time... People watch this; it'll be, it'll be there. Excuse me. Sounds good. We're going to make sure we get a link in there too, so people can find it. Awesome. Um, we're, we're running on time, but I want to get a question in here for Cindy and Jackie because Janet, you're basically here because they said you should be here, and they were absolutely <laughs> right. I'm, don't get me wrong; they were absolutely right. About I love that. my people. <laughs> but I'm also curious because I mean, it's it's fairly clear to me. You, you guys have have kind of hinted at it, but it's fairly clear to me you have incorporated some of what Janet teaches in what you guys do, at, both in your coaching practices and in your personal practices. I wonder if you could each address how, how do you incorporate her stuff in your stuff? 
Well, I think uh, I know both Cindy and I were interested in astrology before we met Janet, um, mm-hmm. but it was it was it, it's how we make it strategic that has changed. Well, it's, it, that's what's changed for me was that this knowing of um, the I, I am the goddess of the fourth house. I am just like I <laughs> the the the, 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 the part of astrology that talks about houses and the, the sign of cancer and the fourth house, my chart lines up exactly. So I'm, 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 I can find it easily. Um, but that's the piece that I started noticing, um, when I, when I worked with Janet initially. Um, also she helped me sort out, uh, I had a push me, pull you thing. There's always every chart I think has its inbuilt dilemma. It's inbuilt thing that you're here to navigate and untangle or whatever it is. Um, and so my, she helped me with that, but I don't, I don't read my clients charts necessarily, but if they're astro savvy, I will say, where is your, where is cancer in your chart so that I can see how they, how they want their homes, you know? So you will have somebody who's, whose cancer is in part of their sign that really likes magic and secrets and and it wants to feel like a den, wants to feel like a cave. And then you've got someone like me who has to have spaciousness and elegance and parties and, you know, this kind of thing. I really want that that kind of feel. So that's the way that I've, I've used it. Um, it's not a necessity, but it's like, I think that with all three of us, um, astrology is a tool we use to do what we do. Um, I will help you live as your next self. And to do that, we pull in all sorts of tools. I may use feng shui. I may use astrology. I may use human design. I may use decorating. I may use brain science. It's just that these are part of my toolbox. Um, I'm... I'm not a specialist in astrology, but I know enough to be able to use it. My specialties are in other signs. Um, I know with Cindy, she, her specialty is communication and blend and, and, um, and magic. She, so, so that's, that's the number one tool that she'll use, but we all use these tools, um, to, to do what we do. We aren't that. It's not the only, I don't, mm. I don't, like, I don't think Janet is an astrologer. I mean, she, she, yeah, <laughs> she does so much more. That, but astrology is the main tool that she uses to do what she does. For me, it's I work through and around houses and identity, but astrology is one of the tools. And Janet's helped me get really strategic about how I use it. I think it's you're, Cindy. You're muted. Muted. You muted Cindy. Sorry, there was all this traffic out there making so much noise, so I muted myself. Um. I actually started in my intake form a, a couple of years ago, started asking my clients for um, their their birth information because what I wanted to see in their chart wasn't uh, as much their sun sign as their moon sign. Yeah. Because our moon sign um, often uh, colors how we experience life emotionally. And, I'm able, when I look at that, sometimes I just automatically can see how they would naturally navigate a situation better. And so I use it that way. And of course, in magic, and I'm, I'm also a big fan of 
one of the one of the best things I ever did astrology wise was just to start paying attention to the lunar phase to when is the moon new and when is the moon full and to sort of navigate my own uh, personal life as well as my coaching around that because if I decide and it's all a decision right it's like we get to choose the rules of the game that we're playing mm-hmm. and we decide that a dark moon, a new moon, is when you can hardly see it in the sky, when that is a good time for introspection and to go within and to spend some quiet time. If I decide that and then that a, a full moon when it's bright, that I will see things clearer and I will be able to. Uh, it's a wonderful time for celebration. It's a wonderful time for forgiveness and gratitude. If I make those rules and I and I stick to that story, then I've got a built-in plan where I'm always taking care. At least once a month, I'm spending quiet time and doing some inner work. And at least once a month, I'm making sure to have a celebration. I'm making sure. So to me, it's a structure, like all of astrology, I think. It is a structure that we can decide how we want to use. And that's how I'm using it so far, right? But it's like Janet looked at my chart uh, at one point years ago and um, showed me some things that were just like, Yes, like I always knew this about myself, right? But I didn't know how to express it. And then there it was. And so it's really, um, it's a useful tool. And like Jackie said, we all, all three of us, we're all life coaches. We all have lots of tools in our tool belt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Janet is much more versed in astrology than I am. Um, but we all use what we use. You know, we use the right tool at the right time, hopefully. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the more you learn, the more you know, right? And uh, astrology, to me anyway, like Janet said, she never looks at a chart and says, oh, dear me, this person's doomed, right? Well, to me, I've been looking at astrology for at least 10 years, and it seems so big. There seems to be so much information in a chart that if you look at a chart and all you see is something bad, well, then you're just not looking hard enough. Because, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 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 I'm the same with feng shui, just to put that out there. Everybody, I mean, it's a blueprint, right? And somebody yeah. will go, oh, my God, I will never make any money because my bathroom's in the far left corner. It's like, yeah, no, sweetie. <laughs> It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You get to decide. And, you know, if your bathroom feels yeah. like something in a five-star hotel, it's okay. You're going to be fine. So, yes, it is. Um, I think I think it, that's where the strategy comes, right? It's like, yeah, yeah you've got a hammer. How are you going to use it? You can't just have right. a hammer. What, how, how are you going to use the hammer? You and could so, you could worship the hammer if you wanted to. You I mean, could if you wish, do. yes, yeah. you know, or you could you or you could hold it by the metal bit and use the handle. That's true. Not yeah. as effective, but something no. will happen. <laughs> so you know, so I think I think these tools are really important. I think the most important thing, though, is that we get to decide mm-hmm. our the 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 thing we are going to take from it. Within, so we decide our metaphor. We decide what we want. We we and it becomes a strategy, a strategic, useful thing. Because otherwise, it's just an academic exercise, right? And a lot of people pontificate on 
yeah, a lot of people will pontificate on all the astro, you know, on, on all the, on any subject actually. They'll pontificate on all the academic stuff. And it's like, yes, but how am I going to use that? It's one yeah. thing to know about Mercury retrograde and everybody's jumping up and down. Now you have, and especially if you go and see Janet, you will have more information to be strategic with it. And I think that is the key. Well, mentioning, of course, that uh, we, we're going to put a link into the event that she's got upcoming. But, Janet, she just also pointed out something to me that I want to make sure we get in here. People need to find you. So I yes. presume you have some sort of a web presence. What's your web presence? How do they find Janet? The easiest way to find me is to um, go to strategicastrology.com. That will take you straight to my website. Um, but over the next couple of weeks... So, you, you know, you might well be up there. You can also find my stuff at mercurymojo.com and unapologeticdesire.com. I love to buy URLs. What can I say? <laughs> really? We hadn't guessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I'm certain of is we're very appreciative of the fact that you came on the show. I mean, first of all, you took a great big veil off of Mercury Retrograde, and that's yes. a fabulous service. Awesome. Yes. I'm so pleased. Thank you so much for inviting me because honestly, being able to get some people reduce their stress around Mercury retrograde, if right? nothing else, right. just one person goes, Oh, thank God I don't have to panic about Mercury retrograde anymore. Exactly. Yes. Uh huh. Right. Absolutely. Okay, world. Everybody take a collective breath. Yes. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.